0: This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio
1: app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Do you drive a vehicle? Then you'll find AutoCorrect helpful, especially on Coach Charlie's Tip of the Week. Listen to our podcast with me, Coach Charlie Melton, on any podcasting platform or on the MPB Public Media app.
2: From MPB Think Radio, this is Creature Comforts, the show all about your animals and the animals around you. I'm Java Chapman, filling in for Kevin Farrell this morning here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Natural Science. As customary for the first Thursday of every month, it is an all pet edition of Creature Comforts, so make sure you give us a call or send us an email about your furry friends. You can join the conversation, send an email to animals at mpbonline.org. Also if you have the MPB public media app do not forget that you can use the talk to us feature and uh, send us video or a photo or even a voice note of your question this morning. Um, And also as you know Uh, Creature Comforts (laughs) repeats every Saturday morning at 6 a.m. if you can't stick around for the entire show on this Thursday. I want to say good morning to Libby and Dr. Troy Major. Good morning, guys. How are you doing today?
3: Doing good. We're doing
2: great. Okay. Uh, Libby, are you still uh, breathing some of that Pacific Northwest air, or are you back in the heat and humidity of Mississippi?
3: I'm staying out west for a while, yeah. So I'm here in the cool. I feel I feel a little guilty about it though, when I talk to people back in Mississippi.
2: Yeah, we're on the we're on the barbecue grill, and you're you're chilling out in the refrigerator. So it's a it's a <laughs> it's, a easy, it's a easy an easy it's an easy trade off. An easy trade off. Well, Libby, um, have you been seeing anything interesting
3: out there? Yeah, we were on the coast. We've gone over a couple of days. And we um, have seen some cool things. Now, what we're primarily focused on is getting um, uh, dungeness crabs. So that's that's been our biggest goal, and we've succeeded. Uh, Had a couple of good days crabbing, and those are these these crabs are oh gosh big very big you know it's like a a six inch there across kind of the waist of the carapace so it's really bigger than that and pretty massive um claws and but tastes a good bit like our blue crabs from the coast from the gulf and um they're fun to harvest and we take the grandkids and have fun doing that and while we're there of course we get to play on the beach And it's a different beach than we'd see in Mississippi, very rocky. Uh, We watched um, pigeon guillemots, which is a cool little seabird that nests under the bridge there at Walport, Oregon. So we got to see a lot of those and saw bald eagle and great blue herons and belted kingfishers, just like we would most any wetland. So I had a great time out there.
2: Well, it's always interesting to see the differences between, you know, uh, what's happening in that part of the country and um, here in Mississippi. If you could point out one clear – I don't know if you've uh, mentioned this before, but if you could pick out one clear difference, um, what what, what would you say that is, Libby? Oh, gosh, that's
3: hard to say, but um – just the the mountain air, you know, the drier air that that makes an immediate difference. You take in a, a deep breath, and it's um, dry air as opposed to moist air. Although when we come in the winter, it, it is a lot more humid. It's pretty much just as humid as it is in Mississippi in the winter. But in the summer here, we get a. a a cooler breeze pretty much all the time it's very seldom that there's not a little bit of a breeze and of course that's different than from my part of mississippi i guess if i was from the coast i wouldn't feel that way but uh there's so many similarities of course we can look up when we were on the water there we could look up and see mountains and that's you know fun because it's different i think mississippi is just as beautiful but it's a certainly a different kind of beauty
2: yeah, I'm I'm of this same the same vein. It all uh, both areas are equally as beautiful Even though I've never been out to the uh, Northwest out there But it's just, it's just different, that's all It's just different And it's observably different um, Now, what, <laughs> what has not been different Over the past couple of days, weeks And even months Is these uh, high temperatures, Dr. Major And I'm curious Have you seen an uptick at the clinic um, Of pets coming in With uh, heat-related um, injuries? or illnesses, um, I mean, because these, these temperatures are, are not anything to play with, even when it comes to our pets.
0: Absolutely right, and uh, a lot of the stuff that we're seeing has to do with the temperature of the asphalt or concrete, people walking their dogs, this sort of thing, and everybody needs to be aware that if you can't put your hand and hold it down on the concrete or the asphalt, that your dog's going to get burned if you're walking any distance with them. So stay on the grass. Now it's really amazing how dry it's gotten. Uh, You know, just we've really only had the, what, 100 degree or close to 100 degree temperatures for the last week and a half, I believe. But uh, things are drying out rapidly. Uh, Dust is occurring, which we didn't have earlier. And you'll notice some trees are just not going to be tolerated. This high temperature, some of those are starting to die. I would see some, some brown and red already, and a lot of leaves are falling. So it's been quite, quite hot. I'm sure in the car, that temperatures in a closed car approach 130, 140 degrees, and that can spell death to any pet that's left in a car for just a short period of time. So most of our listeners are aware of that, but. Don't uh, leave your pets in the car. Same thing, obviously, that you would do for a child. You don't leave a child in the car, uh, in a locked-up car. So anyway, we've seen some heat stroke, uh, heat exhaustion. Uh, most of the time it's been, uh, and at our clinic, has not been fatal, but it can be, especially if the temperature stays at a high level for any short any, you know, period of time.
2: Now that I got to ask this question, Doctor Major. When it comes to comes to dogs, you know they are sweating through their through their mouth, through their tongue. Do you? I guess when when the dog almost akin to a person. When a dog stops panting, um, and it's the same way a, a, a person when they start stop sweating, then it's a it's a it's a great concern, and they could be overheated.
0: Absolutely, and one of the things that uh, we'll mention about heat stroke is you don't bring that temperature down real rapidly, like uh, putting the dog in ice water. Uh, Maybe some tepid water just to cool down a little bit. Uh, If a dog is going through true heat stroke or heat exhaustion, I suggest getting it into your veterinarian. It could be uh, needing IV fluids, Uh, It just depends. And you're right, though. If the dog's not panting uh, and it's getting hot, heat exhaustion, certainly you can understand that. So, you know, use common sense, too, when you're out. uh, Even in the afternoon, uh, I would not be playing uh, ball or frisbee, this sort of thing, with your dog for any length of time, simply because it's hot. Most of the dogs that are house dogs, They'll go out and say, "Hey, I've got to come back in. Uh, <laughs> I enjoy, enjoy something a little bit cooler." And the dogs that are outside are maybe a little more acclimated to it. Just make sure they've got plenty of water and a shade source. That's most important for the dogs that are outside. And I know some people have got fans set up on the patio, or and one person I know has an air conditioner in the doghouse.
2: Oh wow! So, <laughs> no, that's yeah. that's fancy. Yeah.
0: Right. Well, you know, realizing that the heat that we have, but hydration is most important. If, if a dog or cat is deprived of water and this heat, they're going to have a problem. Uh, cats, uh, I've always said you never see a cat running down the street on a hot day. They're usually uh, hiding somewhere in a cool place under a house, under a shade tree. Somewhere where sometimes dogs, if they get out of their enclosure, a pen, they may run for quite a while, uh, even in this hot, hot weather. Unless incidentally, uh, i Olivia's seen quite a few hummingbirds. I guess they've uh, nested, and these are young birds. But uh, I've got two feeders, and uh, some honeysuckle is still blooming, and they. Pretty active. Uh, they kind of slow down in the heat of the day, but have seen probably five or six separate uh, hummingbirds, which always uh, love to watch them.
3: Yeah, they. You know, Troy. That they almost scare me the most in the extreme heat. Those little bodies just seem like they could desiccate so easily, but they they're tough.
0: Absolutely, and I think they know when to get in the shade or whatever to do. But. I can envision on one of my feeders so that that uh, sun gets the uh, the uh, nectar that we've got there quite hot. So I'm sure they avoid that when it gets at that temperature.
3: Yeah.
2: Well, it is an all pet day here at Creature Comfort. So please call and share. And let's uh, go to the phone lines um, this morning before we take our first break for the hour and speak with Vicky on the Gulf Coast in Gulfport. Good morning, Vicky. Good morning. Go ahead with your question.
4: Okay. I wonder if probiotics are a good idea for my dogs.
0: Good question, Vicky. I think more and more people are using the probiotics. I use them, especially when there's a skin issue, uh, regardless of what kind, but it seems to help. And uh, I think that there's more evidence now that probiotics, even in people, if used properly, uh, can help strengthen and can help be an immune help, you know, help the immune system. So I, I agree that probably probiotics are excellent. They should be used uh, if you can, and some of the foods uh, prepared with probiotics in it. So you might might check those out as well.
4: Okay. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for your question.
2: Yes, thank you Vicky for getting us started this morning all the way from Gulfport that is a great question. Now I do have an email here and um this is a a good one for me because my parents are new puppy puppy parents and I had the pleasure of having um Mocha <laughs> a, a, a chocolate lab over at my house last weekend along with my older dog Lady who was not you know, ready for the rambunctiousness. So, (laughs) so it was kind of, kind of a wild weekend, but here's an email. Hi, we just uh, up and adopted a five month, Old blue healer Jack Russell mix from a res- from a rescue about a week ago. He's absolutely terrified of everything, but especially going outside, which he needs to do, obviously, multiple times a day to use the bathroom. He seems to be house trained and we would hate to go backward by putting him on puppy pads indoors. How can we de-stress him and make him feel less fearful of going outside and us. It's clearly traumatic for him every single time.
0: Well, you would think it'd be just the opposite with a Blue Heeler Jack Russell <coughs> mix. That's a very uh, I won't say high strung, but it's a very active dog uh, in my experience. There must be some trauma involved <laughs> uh, to cause this dog, in other words, pre- their ownership, uh, either at the shelter or somewhere else, for trauma involved with this dog. Or it probably would be very happy to go outside. I would go out with it uh, if, if you got it trained on a leash. I don't know how, how old did they say it was, Joe?
2: Uh, five months old.
0: You know So it's it's been around for a while. And they recently adopted it. So something has happened to cause this dog to be fearful, I think, of being outside. I can't put my finger on it as far as what it is, but it could have been another dog attacked it or something bad happened when it was outside. But I would do two things. One, train the dog on a leash. It needs to be able to uh, walk and do everything on a leash with you. I would reward the dog uh, when you go outside outside and calm it, be with it, and then give it a reward after it's done its business and come back in. Now, not knowing everything about this dog, it's going to be hard to give you exact information uh, as far as that, but it may be good to contact a trainer in your area and get some professional help as well.
2: Yeah, um, well, my question is, Maybe it's too young for these, but I've seen a, a, a rise in those de-stressing and calming uh, type of um, treats for dogs. Have those had any uh, success in your experience?
0: Well, I think that would be a, a good start. Uh, most of those revolve around a maternal uh, pheromone-type uh, uh, compound, and it does help to calm I wonder if the dog is calm inside the house as well. I guess that's a question that we can't answer unless they send us another email. But uh, I would say something like that. It may be, though, that this dog does need some professional help to uh, try to get to the bottom of it and to be able to have it where it successfully goes outside rather than using pee pads in the house.
2: Yeah, it does say he's absolutely terrified of everything, but especially going outside. So it it maybe does a little bit of cowering inside the house. And um, I I can speak from experience when my wife and I have got her long haired chihuahua from a uh, from a um, um, uh, a puppy puppy place. Um, It was very, very scared of us like it would stay in the closet all day, we only we knew it came um, out of the closet because we would place the food somewhere where it had to walk, and the food would be gone by the time we come back home. But it just took it just took Roxy, her name was Roxy. It took her a while just to kind of warm up to us. So I don't know if this is they're in that period with this dog.
0: And a good suggestion about the uh, calming collar. They have a calming collar that can actually work for a little while. Thirty days probably, and then some uh, treats that have the same effect, so I would suggest that that would be a good start and uh, just really try not to upset the, try not to upset the puppy, but it does need to be able to go outside. I understand that so.
2: Gosh, I wish I knew more about the puppy. Yeah, we're we're, we're, we're very curious now. (laughs) We have some open phone lines also. Um, You can send us an email, animals at mpbonline.org. I'm Java Chapman here with Dr. Troy Major, Libby Hartfield. And as always, first Thursday of the month is dedicated to your to your pets, to your pets. So join today's conversation. Now let's switch from dogs and uh, move into cats. Now we were talking earlier about with it being so hot outside that the cats aren't really roaming about uh, (laughs) because they're somewhere under a shade tree, but is shedding from your cat a little like shedding a little bit more than usual. Is that some sign that it may be uh, being affected, affected by the heat?
0: It could be by the heater. It could be a normal shed. Now, cats groom themselves quite a bit. And you may see an occasional hairball uh, that the cat throws up. Uh, They can pass hair through in their stool as well. But my rule of thumb is this. If the cat is replacing the hair and is not having bald spots, generally that's okay to be shedding. Now, if the ball spots are around the rear end or around the head, there could be a couple of things going on. Number one, be sure that there are no fleas. That can cause a cat uh, to lick excessively and remove the hair. The cat tongue can actually act like a lawnmower, if you will, <laughs> and can just shear off hair. It's got. If you felt the cat's tongue before, it's fairly rough, and it, it will actually. Uh, they can take hair off. They call it fur mowing, uh, but that particular thing could be a, a condition that needs attention. But be sure that there are no fleas involved.
2: Now, with the weather being so warm, how is the flea, I guess from things you've seen in the clinic, the uh, flea and tick of this uh, this summer, how has how that been?
0: You know, you think that maybe the hot weather will slow the fleas down and ticks as well. I would say this that uh they have, are they are quite occurring unabated <laughs> they're, they're just there's plenty of them and uh the the warm weather or hot weather just encourages the life cycle. you get the eggs, you get the you know they pupate and you get larvae and then they turn into a flea uh, and it's a, It's a constant cycle and you can get the fleas in your house. Uh, and, you know, ticks are another story. We have so many deer around here. You used to think that you wouldn't see that many ticks, but literally have a uh, fawn, still got its spots. I say in my backyard, we've got a little woods close by, and I, I'm always amazed at how fast those baby deer can run. And always remember when you see a baby deer, leave it alone if it's if trying to hide. The mother is close by, uh, and that's not always the case. There could be something wrong. Something could have happened to the mother. But, yes, it's always amazing to see those little 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 deer. And deer are a source of, of ticks, certainly, that can spread in your yard uh, or in the woods where your dog might go, dog or cat.
2: Now, Doctor Major, when it comes to flea and tick control, in your professional opinion, uh, the pills, collars, topical applications—what uh, does it really just depend on the dog or the—I mean, does it depend on the dog or the cat, the the breed of what's going to really work the best? Right.
0: I guess I always say, what works for you, what works for you on your cat or dog. There's some excellent uh, pills uh, that are given. Uh, one of them lasts for three months for that particular pill, and it's excellent against fleas and ticks. Some of the heartworm preventives have flea and tick medication in them. So they're topicals. Uh, cats, a lot of times we use the uh, topicals. Only cats, simply because a lot of people can't give that cat a pill. And uh seems like the, the topicals work best there. But... Uh, Whatever works for you and is taking care of the problem, uh, we're in Mississippi, we're going to have fleas. We're going to have ticks, fleas primarily, and you've got to do something about it to keep your pets from being miserable.
2: Because in my experience, the, the the grocery store has plenty of options but none of them never work for my for my pets. <laughs> Those putting it on, well, a, that, on the shoulder blades down the spine. I guess maybe I don't apply it correctly or or what. But it just doesn't work for me.
0: That's the test. Some of the uh, some of the topical flea control has have been out for a long period of time, and I think in certain areas the fleas have resistance built up. You know, if you do something long enough to an insect. Uh, they're gonna build up some resistance and fleas are no exception. But there are things that can be given to them that they haven't. And, uh, there's, there's a pill, for example, you can, it's it's short acting, but you can give it and fleas start dying like within uh, 30 minutes or less. And, but it only lasts for a day. But in many cases, that's enough to get, get under control and then use something else, you know, for, for more long term. But uh, yes, they are. And what works for you? uh, There are some collars that work well. Uh, There are some of the collars that uh, used to cause some reactions, this sort of thing. But there are some good collars out there now.
2: You're listening to Creature Comforts here on MPB Think Radio. I'm Java Chapman filling in for Kevin Farrell here with Dr. Troy Major, veterinarian at the Animal Medical Center in Jackson, and Libby Hartfield, retired director of the Mississippi Museum of Science. It is a pet day, and we're looking for your pet questions. You can join today's conversation. Email animals at mpbonline.org. org. Also, don't forget about that MPB Public Media app and the brand new "Talk to Us" feature. It's a great way to send us videos, uh, voice notes, pictures, and um, you know, maybe to help you out this morning if you have a pet question. It is an All Pet Day, as it is customary for the first Thursday of every month. Now, Doctor Major, this is probably a very General question, but for new puppy owners, um, it may be a cause for an alarm. (laughs) It says, my dog seems to be eating a lot of grass lately. Is this normal behavior? Um, And why why, why are are they doing that?
0: (laughs) That is kind of a, a generalized question, but the questions I would have is, number one, is the dog throwing up or having diarrhea? Okay, because sometimes when they have a GI upset, they will uh, eat uh, a lot of grass. Uh, I would certainly hope that you haven't sprayed your yard with any uh, chemicals or anything like that, which certainly the dog could cause some problems. But, yes, they, there's, there's a whole list of reasons why dogs and cats uh, will graze, so to speak. Uh, I think sometimes they, they want a little bit more roughage. Maybe uh, there's a theory that uh, the phytonutrients in grass the animal, dog uh, or cat knows that. I don't know about all the different theories, but a lot of times when they're eating grass, they do have a GI upset. So be good to watch closely, uh, and certain cats especially will pick out certain types of grass and they were graze selectively so anyway it, it does occur and if it's not causing a problem i'd say fine however if it is causing diarrhea or vomiting there's got to be an underlying cause making them want to do that
2: that's always funny to me how the dog knows to go in. Um, Because I've always heard that when a dog eats the grass, they do have an upset stomach. But how does the dog know that the grass is the remedy?
0: (laughs) Well, there's got to be some connection between an irritated stomach, let's say. And a lot of times they'll eat grass and then throw up. So that is certainly a possibility that they already are irritated. And if something tells them that they can do that, it may act as a purge, in other words, if you're talking about purging the system, that that may be what the grass does, okay?
2: Yeah, but I know I had to learn that the pink stuff helps my upset stomach, so how did they just, <laughs> they just knew. <laughs> now, we do have an um, a, a email, and it reads, um, we adopted a female puppy last year who is now a little under... Uh, 40 pounds and is one and a half years old. She is as sweet as she is hard headed. <laughs> she looks as though she may have a little spaniel in her and uh, have said she looks just like a generic, oh, Mississippi bird dog. Over the last couple of months, she has begun urinating when she sees someone she loves. She gets very excited and happy and then urinates when we think she will see someone who we will who we think will make her excited. We try to take her outside. But it is so hard to always remember, especially uh, when kids are around. Now, I've seen this with my parents with my parents puppy. Is there any suggestions? Um, love your show. And thank you.
0: Well, that's always a difficult uh, question to answer, uh, simply because a lot of times it is a... If you, okay. If you follow some of the wildlife films and see the the wild canines of woods, you'll see a submissive uh, urination in many cases where they'll roll over on its side or back and urinate. And some of this has to do with submission, uh, I, most of the dogs, fortunately, outgrow this. But I think they said this dog was like a year and a half.
2: A year is, and a half, old, yes.
0: Right, which is getting, getting on up there. I, I doubt if it's a medical problem with this, but it's more psychological. And it is, in my opinion, a submissive act, uh, especially if they do it with the owner, uh, whatever you want to call the parents. Uh, if they're doing it with them, certainly that is. I would try, if possible, to distract in some way before, like if you're coming home and she's excited, uh, maybe have a treat in your pocket that you could give her before she does this and distract her or take her outside immediately. Hopefully that would help some. But it is, it's, it is as I said, I think it's really a uh, submissive thing and probably... Not a medical reason uh, to seek help with
2: that. Now I never knew, I never even yeah, kind of yeah, I it. yeah thought about it as being a submissive thing because, like I said, I've seen this with well, my parents' um, new puppy Mocha. Uh, she does get just kind of overly hype as I say, and then next thing you know, it's like, oh, what am I stepping in? Like,
0: <laughs> right. And sometimes they will roll over on their side uh, when that happens. So if anybody's got any suggestions on that uh, that's listening, I'd appreciate some help. But I don't know that there's something specifically that you can do unless it's getting her away from the situation, you know, immediately. But it's usually when somebody comes in, uh, somebody even new. Now I'm not sure if she's always this dog is doing that. But a lot of times it's just the owner. I see it here at the clinic uh, fairly often. But usually it's on a young dog, and most of the time they outgrow that.
2: Yeah, that's really interesting because both of my dogs do that, uh, but they only do it with me. Like when my wife comes home, they're excited, but they don't, they don't pee on the floor. But when I come home, it's every time just about that they pee on the floor. They know you're the alpha, Abram. That must be it. I'm going to tell my wife that, that they're submissive to me, but not her. (laughs) Her No, I don't know if you want to tell her that. Probably a good idea. You don't want to keep that to yourself. <laughs> it's an all pet day here. At, That's uh, a good point. <laughs> at Creature Conference, we do have some open phone lines. This is a this is a rarity. Pet day uh, is usually a popular day. We've only had one phone call today, but don't let that discourage you. If you have a, a pet question, we have open phone lines waiting for you. And I am going to go back to our emails. We had one come in. I always says, "Good morning." I always enjoyed this show. I have a pet a uh, uh, cat question. Uh, for Dr. Major, we foolishly <laughs> kept two litters of kittens four years ago. I, I love a, f- a foolish letter. <laughs> so we now have 13 adult cats, all fixed and generally happy. About two weeks ago, several of them started sneezing and coughing. And now most of them either have it or have had it. There is no drainage. They just sound congested. It seems like it's curing itself in about two or three weeks. Do you have any ideas on what is causing this and how we can help them get over this as comfortable as possible?
0: Wow. (laughs) That is a good question. I'm assuming these cats are outside. I don't think she said, or they said that it's outside or inside. Yeah. 13 cats. There are 13 cats in some houses, but usually the outside. <laughs> uh, my point being, uh, there could have been another cat. If, if it's been a stable population of cats, there could have been another cat come through the yard, for example, with a viral uh, condition, and certainly that could spread to the to the cats. Usually. Uh, it's going to run its course, uh, as they said, in two to three weeks. And I think they said there was no mucus and hopefully no eyes matting up, this sort of thing.
2: Yeah, no drainage, just congestion.
0: It would affect the younger kittens most. Uh, If these are all adults now, they've been spayed and neutered, uh, they should get over that. Uh, If it's a virus, which it probably is, you would use antibodies to treat secondary bacterial infection, but as far as the virus itself, there may be some
1: uh
0: use of the a product called viralize that you could put in their food, but I'm suspecting this is going to based on what they said this is going to clear up just over a period of time, and hopefully it won't just keep going through the population.
2: Well, I hope that helps um Give them give them some relief. It's funny that you said they have the thirteen cats and they're outside, and then another cat came through. I don't even know how you would know it's it's any more extra cats. <laughs> well,
0: they, they they know they're cats, but you know in every neighborhood there's some stray cats, and I'm suspecting that that's how this started. If they were if they were all inside cats, you know that would make it a little more difficult to say hey. This is a virus, but I really believe it is based on what they're doing. And the other thing to think about if they're outside, not that this is a virus, but you know, it's awful dusty in a lot of areas. And uh the the lack of rain has created a lot of dust and the dust or an allergy may be involved, but usually not all the cats would come down with that, so Best of luck to you, if uh, this persists, I would take at least a couple of them, the worst one, in to see your vet, and hopefully could have some you know, resolutions to what this is.
2: Now, Dr. Major, I know you've said this before, but when it comes to cats and um, uh, litter boxes, you say you should have two, two litter boxes plus one. Uh, now, with 13 cats, I don't know if we can do the math. <laughs>
0: That's the reason I'm thinking they're probably outside.
2: Yeah, that's a lot of of litter boxes, a lot of cleanup.
0: (laughs) In the typical uh, inside situation, it is good to have one litter box per cat plus one. So, in other words, if you have three cats, it would definitely be good to have four litter boxes. But a lot of people really don't want to do that, and they manage quite well. But I'm just saying the extra litter box cuts out uh, a lot of problems. And some cats literally will not go into a litter box after another cat has used it. So that's that's a possibility.
2: And I don't know what's going on with my algorithm um on my social media feed, <laughs> but I I saw a recent ad for the self cleaning or the robot cleaning um uh, litter box and I said, What what am I what am I doing with my life?
0: <laughs> right. Well for some people that works. I haven't used it myself, so I'd have to say that uh, my cats are doing quite well with their three litter boxes. (laughs) Anyway, I have two cats. And, uh, you know, and it's also good if you can to clean the litter boxes out every day. I mean, that makes a big difference as well. But yes, I suspect that those are mostly outside cats. Well, we would. Back to to the 13th.
2: Yeah, we, we will hope so. We will hope so. And let's go to the phone lines. Let's start off with a cat question from John in Daphne. Good morning, John.
1: Uh, good morning, Jyla. Um I've got a question for Dr. Major about applying cat medication, uh, the drops that they sell in various places. I've got a um, short-haired tortie who was part uh, a number of years ago of a cat colony. And uh, anyway, um, she's found a way to uh, relieve herself of some of the problem of fleas. Uh, I'll see her scratching when it's bad. And then she goes and finds a a, a patch of dust in the street that uh, you know everybody has in every neighborhood. And she'll roll around in it, which is kind of counterintuitive because cats are supposed to be so clean. But uh, apparently that helps her with her fleas. Now... The problem for me is I try to help out by applying those cat meds, the, the once-a-month uh, drop, drops that uh, you get at the store. But if she's going to go out and roll in the dirt, that completely erases the help that I'm you know, trying to provide for her. Um, is, uh, the, only, the only solution I think I can find is to wait for a rainy day so that there is no dust. Can, can Dr. Majors uh, suggest how I might solve this problem?
0: Well, that's always a good thing. Is she, is she feral, or is she pretty much able um, to
1: pick uh, she, up? She's pretty tame. She's uh, mostly an outdoor cat, but, um, you know, she's affectionate and uh, can sleep good. indoors when it's cold.
0: My suggestion is this. I would use one of the alcohol-based uh uh, flea medication, uh, actually Revolution would be one here advertising, Revolution. But uh, Revolution, and I would put it right at the base of her skull, first of all, uh, so of she won't skull. be able to at the base rather than spreading it down the back. Uh, put um, it at the base, okay. right, right at the base at her neck, you know, right where the skull joins the neck. Because a lot of cats, when you put the medication on, will turn around and lick it and I've seen cats create a uh, hairless area between their shoulders if you put it there. So that's my suggestion there. It goes away quickly. If you have a kennel, you could put her in or keep her in the house. Uh, it should disappear within and be absorbed into the skin within a matter of a couple of hours. So you can do that, and okay, uh, that probably- would solve, solve the dust problem.
1: Okay. Um, uh, should I? Uh, is there any way to use some of the cheaper brands? I tried using, I think it was Sargent's or Hearts, one time, and uh, it was as if I dropped molten, uh, uh, put a drop of molten metal on her. She went nuts, and so Honestly, I, I it.
0: it. Right. A lot of cats can't handle certain ones, and I know what you're saying. They seem like it burns them for some reason. I've not had that problem with the Revolution. Uh, but it, it is an alcohol base as opposed to an oil base. Those oil base um, flea medications will stay there for a while. I can see I'd be quite a mess if you went out and got in the dust. So uh, it's not terribly much more expensive. It is more expensive probably than what you would get over the counter at Kroger or whatever, but I would suggest trying that. You can. I'm sure you can get just one and try it and see how it does.
1: Okay. thank you very much. Appreciate your
0: question. You take care.
2: We appreciate you, John, for calling in this morning. That was a a great question, because I always have those questions about those kind of store bought brands um, from, you know, the grocery store or the, the drugstore. Let's let's keep on the phones before we run out of time this morning. Let's go to Mikey in Mobile. Good morning, Mikey.
4: Good morning. I have a uh, kind of the other end of the puppy thing uh, that I'm trying to maneuver here. Um, uh, my sister passed recently. She was uh, 65, and uh, she, uh, she two of her dogs. She had rescued a lot of dogs, so she there were a lot of dogs in and out. Um, the dog that I'm talking about that we have not been able to, we're looking for a good, the best looking for him. Of course, he's uh, he's called Little Bit. He is five pounds of um, uh, peanut-colored, even his eyes, little dog that looks like a tiny greyhound to me. Um, he's male, and the reason that I can't take him is because I got a little dog that's about the same age and, and about chihuahua also, and they don't get along. So um, uh, other than uh, it, my brother, who's a bachelor and, <laughs> and works 80 hours a week, doesn't have a lot of time to take care of a dog, and as I say, you know, they're the conflict between him and my my dog um, uh, doesn 't work out so other than taking some of my sister 's clothes sheets, and towels over to he 's temporarily staying with my brother by the way, in the kitchen um, uh, and uh, having a, our puppy pad's a good thing for him he was not he was an indoor outdoor he was spoiled rotten he was a mama 's boy. <laughs> Definitely, and what sorts of sources other than the veterinarian whom I will be speaking with today? Um, when I pick up the uh, uh, systemic, Centrica, uh, I think it is, uh, which has worked great for my dogs um, uh, because it's flea season and it's mobile. Um, what do you, what what else can you advise me of, please, Doctor Troy?
0: So the real problem is the is he like doing okay it's your brothers or is there- as
4: far as i know as far as i know yes he's uh um he he was left because his um bell his other the, the other of her dogs at the time of, of this happening um has already been adopted she was adopted immediately so, and so he, he spent time alone and that's what i'm concerned about how much time he's spending alone
0: understand, I think you were right, in maybe taking some of the clothes or some, some uh, what should I say, artifact or bed or whatever that was from from your sister uh, to help with the transition. Uh, how old is this dog?
4: About uh, nine years old.
0: Okay. And it's going to be difficult, you know, to change, and it's unfortunate that he can't go to a place where somebody is gonna take care of him and be there with him, you know? And uh that's that certainly is an issue. But I would try what you said, take some clothes and this sort of thing and see if that helps. Okay.
2: Well, hopefully you can get some help with that situation, Mikey. Um, the Mobile area, if you're looking for a, a, a chihuahua or nice homes or, you know, want to help Mikey out, uh, go ahead and activate out there in the Mobile area. Uh, Dr. Troy Major, thank you. Dr., uh, Libby Hartfield, thank you for another great Creature Conference on this Thursday morning. Creature Conference is a production of Mississippi Public Broadcasting Think Radio, funded Uh, In part by listeners like you to hear today's show or previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB public media app, Lewis and Meridian. I really want to hear about the raccoon question, but we'll have to catch you next time for more creature comforts. Stay tuned. This is MPB Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast.